0: I shared with you last week that uh, Tucker and Donna and I had all been down in Anaheim for the National Vineyard National Leadership Conference, and it, there was a lot of really positive things uh, that we came away with but one thing I came away with that was just really good for me and that I want to share with you is a, a sense that we are on track that we're that that we're that we're in the right place the the vision and the direction uh that that we have as a as a local church is really very very much in line with uh, what God's doing in the vineyard movement around the country, and that was good. It was good to know that you feel like yeah we're really hearing from God. We're really on target. Uh, one of the there were a, a lot of themes, a lot of topics talked about, but but sort of throughout all of the conference, the big thing that was really a focus was mission. The idea of the mission of God. And, and this is what uh, what we, we call here kind of the to be a blessing part of our, of our vision. We say that we are blessed. That's what we prayed about earlier, God's presence uh, in us, to be a blessing. And that to be a blessing part is really the mission part. It's the part that says, as God's people, uh, who we are and what we're for is to go out and to share his love with others. Sometimes when you hear the word mission, you automatically think of missions, and you think of going on a trip somewhere, and and many of us have been on mission trips. Uh, I hope that everyone, at some point in your life, goes on a missions trip. You get to go overseas, or to another country, or to another people or culture, and spend some time learning, and growing, and serving. It's, it's something that really is transformational. Uh, it's, it's a... It's, near and dear to my heart and something I do as often as I can. Um, But what I want to say is that that's really only one dimension of mission. That's not the whole picture. That's one part of it. Mission is bigger than that. Mission is really walking in the purpose of God uh, for his church to participate in his kingdom and the advancement and the development of his kingdom in the world. There is an organi- a world organization called the Lusane Movement uh, or Lusane Conference, and it's a it's a gathering of church leaders from around the world, and they meet only about every six years or so. And uh, in 2010, uh, this conference was held. There were uh, almost 5,000 Christian leaders from 198 different countries representing, I don't know how many different denominations, but many, many denominations. So it's very ecumenical. It's not one part of the church, it's the whole church. And their focus is on world evangelization. And I just wanted to share with you, there's a document that was created coming out of that meeting. Uh, One little section of it. In the introduction, they talked about unchanged realities, and these are some of the realities that that group identified in the world today. They say, in a world which works to reinvent itself at an ever-accelerated pace, anybody aware of that? Do you ever feel like the world is changing faster than you can keep up with? I do. Uh, Some things remain the same. These great truths provide the biblical rationale for our missional engagement. And then there's three great truths that they say provide the rationale for our missional engagement. The first is that human beings are lost. The underlying human predicament remains as the Bible describes it. We stand under the just judgment of God in our sin and rebellion uh, and without Christ, we are without hope Th- that 's a reality that's a that 's a tr- a truth and a reality it 's a condition of the world today. Uh, I talk about this a lot I was talking about it earlier this week um, but it's a it's a subject that comes up often and that is I don't know how people make it in the world without Jesus i I really don't um, life is hard and and I'm gonna be really honest and say life is hard with Jesus but I don't know how you do it without I, I really don't I don't know how you get through I, I I don't know what there is to keep you moving forward uh there's 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 just there really is no hope and so I, I believe this. I believe this is this is a reality of the world, and that's why I, I believe as a church we're committed to sharing who God is with other people, because we want them to know uh, that difference as well. And then that leads us to the second truth, which is the gospel is good news. Amen to that. The gospel is not a concept that needs fresh ideas, but a story that needs fresh telling. I, I love that phrase. I really believe the gospel is unchanging. The truth of who God is has always been the same, but... That needs to be re-described and retold to people today in a way that makes sense to them and they understand. It's the unchanged story of what God has done to save the world supremely in the historical events of the life, death, resurrection, and reign of Jesus Christ. In Christ there is hope. And then this is the the missional part. This is our part of that. The church's mission goes on. The mission of God continues to the ends of the earth and to the end of the world. The day will come when the kingdom of the world will will become the kingdom of our God and his Christ. And God will dwell with redeemed humanity. I can't even read. With redeemed humanity and the new creation until that day, the church's participation in God's mission continues in joyful urgency and with fresh and exciting opportunities in every generation, including our own. That's what we're about. We're we're about... Uh, the mission of God. That's our title today. There's a term that's used often. You may have heard this before. It's a Latin phrase. Missio Dei means the mission of God. And our title this morning is The Mission Has a Church. That's, wh- that's what we are about, is to participate with God in His mission in the world today. Um, uh, my text this morning, I want to look at uh, mission and what we call the great commission in, in Matthew 28. Uh, let's just pray really, really quick, and then we'll read that together. Father, thanks again for your presence with us and for the opportunity just to serve with you. Uh, in your name we pray, amen. All right, this is, uh, again, uh, the Great Commission, as it's called, Matthew twenty-eight, sixteen to 20. And the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So this starts uh, with the word then. The then is, it's, it's still Easter Sunday. Uh, you guys know the story. Early in the morning, uh, the Marys and, and uh, other people went to the tomb of Jesus And, of course, uh, things were not as they expected. They found the stone rolled away. Jesus not there. Uh, They they encountered Jesus. He uh, spoke with them, and uh, they, they were frightened and excited and encouraged all at once. And, of course, there were some men that were Roman guards there guarding the tomb, and they saw this interaction and participated in it. They went off and told the high priest what they had seen. And of course, the high priest immediately uh, changed the story, and they said, oh, well, you know what they did, they took his body and they, you know, hid it because we, they wanted us to think that he's resurrected. So there was already... By midday or some point during the day, uh, a buzz. There was already, uh, you know, things happening, things being said. There was stuff spreading about where Jesus was, who Jesus was, what had happened to him. And so the then is then. It's that same day, um, the The 11, and there were 11 disciples now, not 12. Uh, of course, Judas had, uh, had killed himself, had hung himself, uh, really uh, lost in the grief and the the guilt and the shame of having betrayed Jesus, and uh, he was later replaced with Matthias. But at this point, he had not been replaced yet. I, I just—I'll comment on that really quickly. I, you know, a lot of things are said about Judas, and Judas—the name Judas—is kind of uh, you, you know. It it, it means in our culture today, traitor. And we say, that guy's a Judas. He's a traitor. He's somebody that turned against. You know, Judas was a disciple of Jesus. He was a follower of Christ. And he did a bad thing. And he was so overcome with the guilt and the shame of that thing that he brought an end to his own life. And I I would just say this to you. There are times in our lives when we may not do everything that God would have us do. We may make mistakes and we may turn against God in some way. We may deny him in some way. I hope nobody ever actually betrays him. But there's going to be moments when you will experience shame in your own life over uh, not, uh, not living in the way that God would have you live, and you're aware of that. And I would just say this to you, as overwhelming as that is, do not let that become the definition of who you are as a person. You're still a follower of Jesus Christ. And that truth is greater than whatever you've done in your life. And if that brings freedom to anybody today, then amen. But at some point in your life, I'm afraid it will. So I'm just going to say... That, that's my feeling on Judas, is he, he made a horrible, horrible mistake, but he was still a disciple of Christ. Matthew tells us, I love this, they worshiped him, but some doubted. He, I, he doesn't say who doubted, it's kind of kind of him. Um, you know, I, my thought is, that these are the disciples. These are those 11 guys that had been with Jesus more than anyone, no one on earth had spent more time with him than them they had been with him through everything they had heard all of his teaching anything that's recorded that he shared publicly they were there and then there were all those times when privately he sat down with them and just shared with them things that nobody else knew they they were with him when he performed miracles they were in the boat when he calmed the storm right Uh, They were there when he raised Lazarus from the dead after four days. Uh, They were there. They handed out the food that fed 5,000 people with a kid's sack lunch. All of that uh, was had to be in, in their minds and in their thinking in this moment. They had been there at the Last Supper when Jesus kind of laid out what was about to happen and then washed their feet. They were there during his arrest in the garden and his crucifixion and now here it is a few days later and he's standing in front of them talking to him and somebody doubt some of them doubted. Anybody relate to that? I do. I love it. They worshipped, but some Anybody ever experienced worship and doubt almost simultaneously? Any of you ever felt like, I, I'm giving God my heart. I know he's here. I know he's real. I know he's true. And yet, I can't quite figure out why he isn't here with me in this situation right now. And again, I, I, I would say this to us today. I get frustrated sometimes with Christians who will be kind of condemnatory towards doubt. Get doubt out of your life. Just push doubt out of your life. If you have more faith, this would get done. And I think faith and doubt are two parts of emotions that God has put in our heart. And quite honestly, I've experienced faith and doubt in the same day and I think in the same moment at times. And my encouragement is this. Again, don't condemn yourself over doubt. The only thing I know to do is keep worshiping. To press in to the presence of God, even in those moments. To be like the guy who said, I believe, help my unbelief. To press in on God. Don't condemn yourself over doubt in your life. This is what we call the Great Commission, and it begins with a statement. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That, that's not, uh, the commission is, uh, he's, he's giving them direction as to what to do. But before he gives them direction, he makes this statement. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Uh, that's fairly comprehensive. All authority, everything is under his control. All authority is in the hands of Jesus. And that includes everything. It includes individual people. It includes you and me. Uh, It includes the poor and the rich. It includes believers and unbelievers. I'll tell you a secret, but don't tell anybody. It even includes atheists. They can say they don't believe in God all day long, but I have a secret. (laughs) They're under his control, and someday they're going to figure it out it not only includes individual people, it also includes... Culture and society. The Bible talks about principalities and powers, and principalities and powers are really this: they're systems and isms and beliefs and and political, uh, you know, s- systems and things that sort of uh, guide our culture and our society. And sometimes it appears as though some of those things are really in control of the world. But I'll tell you, they're they're in control to the degree that they're being followed by people in in, in this world today. But ultimately, they are are under the control of God. Ultimately, the rule and reign of God is over all things. And then the third thing I would say is this. uh, All authority includes creation itself. Heaven and earth are all under God's authority. And so, here's my point. As we consider the Great Commission, uh, consider that first. That everything that is, is under the rule and reign of God. Everything that exists, exists under the rule and reign of God. Nothing that is here in this world today is outside of the control of Jesus. And I, that, that should be encouraging to us. That whatever we see, as dark as it looks, really is under His control. So what are we commissioned to? Therefore, because all authority is mine go... Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, the short answer, I suppose, is to make disciples. And we could say that, well, what does that mean? What does that really look like in terms of uh, the ex- expansion of the gospel in the world today? Uh, I, think it's, I think it's a more comprehensive statement, probably, than we generally think it, think it is, uh, we might typically realize. So... I want to look at a passage from Ephesians really quickly. Ephesians 1, 19, or 9 and 10 says this, He made known to us, the church, the mystery of His will. What's God's will? Uh, it's a secret, but He, he shared it with us. And that was he did that because he wanted us to know. It was according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. We're moving through history towards the fulfillment of time. And at the fulfillment of time, the mystery of God's purpose uh, is going to be accomplished. But we know what it is now, and we're moving towards that. And this is what it is, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth where that authority exists under Christ, to bring unity to all things. To bring all things together. To bring together under Christ all of the brokenness, all of the fragmentation of the world of creation, of society, of culture, of individual people. Uh, Everything will come together in unity. That's the ultimate goal. That's where we're headed, and that's what we're moving towards. And that's what we do every time we pray for someone, every time we we share with someone, every time we love someone in the name of Jesus. We're moving history towards that ultimate goal. It's all-inclusive. It's not just individual souls. Now, I want to say this. It is individual souls. There is a reality of people accepting Christ into their heart and becoming Christians. But it's not just that. It's also everything that surrounds that. It it includes justice and compassion. Let me say this. Why do we feed the poor? Because it's part of that process. Why, why are we collecting school supplies? Because education is a part of that process. People need to know, have the opportunity to advance in society and in culture where they are today. And, and a part of that is meeting the the needs of people. And one of those needs is to help get education to people that don't have education, that can't afford education. So that's why we're doing this. It's, it's why... Uh, I was uh, Another thing I was blessed by at the conference, there's a, a, an entity within the Vineyard Movement called Vineyard Justice League, and they work for uh, and, and, and cooperate with ministries that are uh, purposed towards justice in the world today. So that includes things like um, human trafficking. It includes things like creation care. And I want to throw out a little invitation to you guys. Vineyard Justice League is having a forum called Seeking the Peace of Our Cities. It's going to be in uh, beautiful Yakima, Washington in October. Uh, so, you know, it's the Palm Springs of Washington, so they say. Uh, it's not the, the, the uh, 20th and 21st two days at Yakima Vineyard, and I would love to take a team to this. If you're interested in this, there's flyers in the back, and grab one. Uh, talk to either Donna or I. We would love to to go to this, uh, I know that Cheryl Pitluck, uh, Lance Pitluck, is the pastor at Anaheim Vineyard. His wife is part of Vineyard Justice League and she'll be there and it'll be, uh, I think, a great opportunity. So I would love to take a team. So talk to Donna or myself and we'll uh, get you information and see if we can get a group together for that. But the idea is this that those kinds of ministries justice and compassion are part of who Jesus is and part of the fulfillment of his purpose in the world today. And that's why we do that. That, That's why those things matter. You know, uh, again, I think creation care a few years ago, try Robinson sort of uh, stepped out and began to become a voice for creation care, um, in the church. And he took a little, it was a little pushback. Some people, you know, what's the big deal? What we are here for people. We're not here for, you know, plants and trees. And so what, what is creation care all about? Um, I I would say this in response, creation matters. The environment matters. It's part of what God created. And did you know (laughs) that the first great commission was actually to care for the earth? Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. I believe we are commissioned by God to take care of the world that we live in. You know, and I i guess the the argument against that is, well, you know, Jesus is going to return, it's all going to go away. My argument is, uh, what if that doesn't happen anytime soon? Uh, if you think, you know, I know people, well, he's coming back next year. Well, you know what? I, you don't know that. Uh, it could be a long time from now. And I want my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids to have a place to live. And so I believe that we are commissioned to care for the earth that we live in today, and that's part of God's purpose. So individual people, society, culture, culture, creation, itself they're all broken by sin. They're all broken by sin, and they're all in need of redemption, and they're all in need of uh, the unity of God to bring those things together. Uh, just I'll add this in the Greek. you know the words, the words evangelism and gospel are the same word? Did you know that? Evangelion is the Greek word that that is translated good news. The good news and evangelism are the same thing. The good news is everything that Jesus is doing. Jesus died for your sins. Yes, but. But it's more than Jesus died. for. His, Jesus died to redeem all of creation, to bring it all back into his presence and to bring unity to it. That's what it's all about. It begins with salvation. That's a part of it. Uh, you know, he, he did say, go and make disciples. And uh, you're baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Well, baptism would sort of presuppose salvation, right? That's where you get baptized, when you get saved. And that's part of our mission. Part of our mission really is to share the good news to be evangelists, to talk to people about what God's done in my life. I know that's fearful for people at times, but look, at, God's made a difference. He's changed our lives. All you have to do is just tell your story. This is what God did for me. You could have that too. It's pretty easy. Um, the other thing, I, I, I got a little revelation this week, uh, teaching them everything that I have uh, to obey everything I commanded. So part of the Great Commission is teaching. Uh, I, I, like I said, I, that brings comfort to me. That's my gift is teaching. And sometimes I'm just going to be honest. I feel like I'm beating my head against the wall. Does anybody listen? Does anybody care? Does anything I ever say make any difference? Why do I bother? Uh, and then I realized this and God, I think God really kind of spoke this to me this week. He sort of said, it's not your responsibility. My responsibility is to be obedient, to teach what God shows me in his word to teach. What you do with it is on you. (laughs) So there. If you don't listen, that's your problem. It's not mine. (laughs) Uh, But part of the process, look, you can't make a disciple without teaching. Part of the process is to share with other people how we live in Christ in this world. Uh, And that's it. So so Jesus taught, Paul taught, Apollos taught. I'm just going to keep teaching. Um, And the teaching is, Jesus said, to obey everything I have commanded you. And here, he's actually quoting Deuteronomy. Uh, What has he commanded us to do? And I want to read this because I think it's important and it, it fits in with what I'm saying today. And now Israel... What does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. And yet the Lord sets his affection on your ancestors and loved them, and he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations as it is today. You were blessed to be a blessing. Circumcise your hearts, therefore. Do not be stiff-necked any longer. The Lord your God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. So, to obey everything he has commanded us includes caring for widows, caring for orphans, caring for the fatherless, caring for the poor, caring for those in need, uh, immigrants. Uh, the, the foreigners among you you're to love them and care for them and make sure they have a place to sleep and food to eat uh, regardless of how they got here that's not up to us to decide there's a legal system that'll deal with that and hopefully in a compassionate and just way sort it out but as the people of God our call is to make sure that they have a f- a place to sleep and food to eat, and that they're cared for as much as we can possibly care for them. It's not just spiritual righteousness. It really is social righteousness that God has called us to. It really is. The Great Commission includes things like Micah six eight. He has shown you, O mortal, O person, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. We have to be compassionate and just and merciful towards those that God puts us in contact with. One of my favorite passages is Isaiah 58, where God says, is this not the, and and, and listen, if you go back and read the whole text, you'll, you understand Isaiah is prophesying, but really uh, he's rebuking and correcting Israel here. He's not happy. They, they have put on heirs of spiritual righteousness. We're being obedient. We're being good kids, but we've forgotten everybody else. That's sort of what's happening, and this is God's response. Is this, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? Loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, set the oppressed free, break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wander with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood and then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. This is so powerful because light and righteousness are connected together. Uh, this is really what Kevin was talking about this morning. As we serve others and care for them... Our light shines. We, we are transformed from the inside out. That doesn't happen. I'm going to be honest with you. That doesn't happen just by, just by praying and hoping it does. It doesn't happen just by reading the Bible and, you know, and doing Bible study together and gathering in groups. That's all part of the process, but it doesn't really happen. That transformation doesn't really take place until we put those things that we learn into action and we get up out of our seats and we go out and we share that with other people. And then that transformation takes place in us. Light and righteousness go hand in hand. That's really what we're called to do. That's what it means to be blessed, to be a blessing. And that's what God has commissioned, I believe, his church and specifically the vineyard and specifically us to do, to be a part of. There's no separation between those things. So let's close. And I'll just say this in closing. Um, God has commissioned us to make Jesus known and uh, to extend his kingdom to people, and to culture and society, and to creation. And we cannot separate those things out. You can't say, Jesus is my personal Lord and Savior, and not care for creation and things around you. They're all part of the same deal. There's no differentiation between those two. That's, that's what we're for. That's what it means to be the church of Christ. All right, let's stand.